Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere Paul are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Around the Association with Doug and Brent. It's been a while since I've been on. Thanks, Brent, for holding it down. Uh, you guys have uh, been doing pretty good over here on the show, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, uh, rolled solo on, on one and then uh, got to uh, do one with Bill, which uh, was good. We got caught up from the live shows um, that, that we were doing when the regular season was still regular. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, it's good to have you back and, and good to have someone to talk hoops with, uh, doing a solo cast is, is definitely not as much fun. And yeah, it's, uh, it's not easy. It's not easy, but you did a great job and you got a, a new mic and you've been sounding good on the air. So, uh, you, congrats sir. there. Um, yeah, I'm finally back. I was on vacation. I was actually uh, working for those who don't know, I am, uh, working on clearing some property for a new house. So, uh, cutting down 65 trees myself is not always easy. So manly work. Uh, yeah, I've been doing that uh, lumberjack stuff. But uh, back in it, I, I still was keeping up on all the games. And uh, man, it's been an interesting, interesting bubble. Uh, as always, it still continues. And, and you know, these series have been playing. It's, it's been really great basketball going on. No doubt. Yeah, yes. these games have been crazy. And, and these comeback, these crazy comebacks, these game sevens. I, I mean, we really couldn't have asked for a, for a better playoffs so far in a shortened season and what seemed like a weird year we're getting a great playoff so i'm happy that it's still going forward after that that brief scare uh that that teams might drop out but hey everyone's here we're playing basketball and it's super fun right yeah, absolutely so again you've got uh, doug and brent here you can find me on twitter at ky pro basketball and brent you've got a new twitter handle don't you uh yeah same account new handle uh it's now brent middleman um, I have a YouTube channel called The Middleman. Uh, you might be able to look it up. It's hard to find under that name, but uh, there's a link on my, my Twitter account if you're interested. But yeah, it's Brent Middleman on Twitter. Uh, hit us up. We love talking hoops. Absolutely. We're going to do a little bit of that today. So we're going to start out with uh, old Daniel House. Uh, he got into <laughs> a little bit of it there in the bubble. Uh, he was trying to make his bubble life a little bit more interesting. Uh, it turns out that he invited in a female COVID testing official into his room and uh, she was in there for quite some time. It sounds like uh, they narrowed it down initially to uh, Daniel House and one other player and then uh, come to find out it was Daniel House that was the culprit there and he had him a little bit of fun in there. Uh, yeah, you know, the, I've had I've had a COVID test and uh, I was negative, but yeah, those things are very invasive. Um, they really get up, get up in there um, and it's pretty deep. And uh, yeah, it definitely hurts. So I, I guess, I don't know, maybe he wanted to have her know how it feels. Uh, who knows? We're, gonna we're just speculating here on, on what yes, occurred, absolutely. but he was not allowed to play. 
Yeah, yeah. And what ended up happening was the NBA released a little bit of information on the situation and then ultimately made their determination after investigating that, you know, he was the one at fault and he has now left the bubble. But uh, he's not the only one of the Houston Rockets left the bubble. I think they all did. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, they, they all were forced to leave the bubble. And you know what? A lot of it can be blamed on Daniel House not being there. He was playing really well. He, he's another sharpshooter that, that takes the pressure off Harden. And when Westbrook is playing like terrible Westbrook, it all comes down to Harden when you could just throw everything you have at, at James and, and force. I mean, everyone's giving James Harden, you know, hey, he's, this is what he does. He's not the best offensive player ever, but it's like he's getting triple, quadruple teamed in some cases because the players around him just weren't getting it done. So uh, they're headed home. And, you know, I, I think you were mentioning something about Mike D'Antoni maybe wanting to yeah, test so, those free agent waters. Yeah, initially, D'Antoni was uh, saying, you know, hey, we're going to leave the door open for a return back here in Houston. Uh, that was kind of the speculation and the talk, and that lasted for all about 12 hours because he, uh, him and his wife released a, a message on Twitter, a kind of a note to, to the fans, uh, you know, saying their goodbyes and closing the door in the chapter on returning to Houston. And now they're going to uh, test the free agent waters, the coaching free agent waters, and uh, see about going somewhere else. And, you know, I don't know that he'll be the only one that'll be departing from Houston. I, I know I, it, Does Harden need to be traded? Does Westbrook need to move on somewhere else? Do they need to relax and uh, put aside this small ball and try to get a big man in there? There's, you know, lots of talk about what's, what's next for the Houston Rockets. You know, what, what moves should they do going forward? Yeah, you know, Houston's in a tough situation, and, and they have been for a few years. We know they're pretty uh, cash-strapped. Um, they're, they're bumping up against that cap. They've made, they've made some win-now moves that haven't paid off. And that's, you know, you got to give them credit as the fan base. You know, you got to love it when your team puts all the chips in and, and goes for it. But this is, this is what happens when it doesn't work out and you have nothing to show for it. You end up in a very tough situation with, with big contracts, not a lot of depth, not a lot of wiggle room to work with. You know, the, the Warriors were in a situation like that, but, but they were able to, to walk out of there with championships. And then they had their one crappy year, which turned out to be a really good year to, <laughs> to decide to, or to have your bad year. And, and they sort of, that's what got them back on track. So Houston might be looking at a situation like that where they need to have a down year to do, to, to rebuild. I don't know that you get rid of James Harden. I mean, he's the face of the franchise. He's still got at least, I would say three or four good years left on him. Westbrook, I think has to go. I don't know. I think that experiment failed. I don't know what you can do with him though, or what you can get with them. I haven't really given that a lot of thought yet. And I think the, the small ball experiment uh, needs to end. I think training Clint Capella was a huge mistake. Uh, although his injury seemed pretty bad, so I don't even know if he'd be he'd be playing in the playoffs right now or not. But still, I think you gotta you gotta revert back, get some big men in there. Uh, you know, I think you keep James. But what are your thoughts, Doug? Do you keep James Harden or or do you move on? Do you, well, do you I Westbrook? Think, yeah, I think you got to keep one of the two of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I think the combo of them together is just not going to work. And I think we've seen kind of that this year. Uh, it was their last dish ditch effort to try and make something happen with that small ball lineup and going full full throttle with those two. Uh, they did play together uh, when they were younger, both from the same LA area. But I think that they do need to split them up. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think trading West uh, trading Westbrook is a good thing 
you know, keeping Harden is the good thing. So I think that trading Westbrook would be the best option. Keep Harden there on that team. Um, he's kind of been with them. He's kind of the face of their franchise at this point, more so than Westbrook because he's just getting there. But uh, I think trading Westbrook would be a good thing to do and then bringing in a big guy and kind of, you know, getting away from the small ball, but not maybe too much. You're going to – you're not going to go with a full-on guy in the, the, to play the center in the five spot that's all, you know, post – you know, centers have been really stretching the court these days. They're, they're stretching out to the three-point line. So you need somebody that can shoot. And I've seen some people talk about it. It sounds like there's been a lot of fans that are kind of high on this uh, trading for Miles Turner from Indiana. Uh, Miles yeah. Turner out there in Indiana playing with DeMontis Sabonis. That was kind of a experiment as well with those two playing together. So sounds like, you know, Indiana may or may not be um, looking to trade Miles Turner and, you know, Houston would be a good spot if they could put together a package to make it happen. Now, um, Indiana isn't the only one in play when it comes to Houston in talks because there's some talk about uh, Dan Tony going out to Indiana and coaching out there, you know, testing those free agent waters. Like we said, uh, Brent, you brought up a good point. Maybe going out to New Orleans and coaching Lonzo Ball and that fast-paced guard offense out there. So uh, there's a lot of options there for for Dan Tony and, you know, coaching in general uh, in, in the league. It sounds like there's going to be some other coaches that are going to be available and other coaching spots that are available too for guys to move around a little bit. Yeah, I did. I did see that Coach Bud over in Milwaukee is expected to to stay put despite their real disappointing ending. And and I was going to bring up Milwaukee as an example of of kind of where the league's headed these days. I don't think that you can go no big man like Houston has gone. But I also think the the time of the the two big men, you know, the power forward center. I think that's done too. And I think having Antetokounmpo or whatever, have your say his name, and, uh, and Brooke Lopez. Starting to sound like um, Santino now, the butcher. Butcher name. Seriously. Yeah, but you know who I mean. The freak, uh, Greek freak, and, and Brooke Lopez. Even if Brooke Lopez is stretching the floor, I think, I think it's a liability to, to have two big guys like that out there um, in, in, come the playoffs. Uh, you know, right. during the season, they have some great games. They're, they're really tough defensively, but – uh, you know, for some reason in the playoffs, it's it's that happy medium where you don't have the full small ball lineup like Houston, but you have uh, one one big man who's really good at facilitating and can and protect the rim in there. <clears throat> and uh, I think sorry about that. And I think uh, you know a good example is Denver uh, with Jokic having him in there. Their best lineup is when Millsap's not on the floor, and they have sort of the you know the six eight six nine wing wing defenders who can guard anybody with with your rim protector down under there and I think I think Milwaukee's gonna have to make an adjustment to their offense where you you probably have Giannis playing the five and you let um and you just get really good surrounded with wing defenders and shooters to make it happen we saw in Indiana you know Sabonis and Miles Turner that didn't really work out together although we didn't get to see that in the playoffs unfortunately so it's hard to say how that would have gone um, in the playoffs, but I just think that's sort of where it's going. And, you know, the Warriors have really been ahead on head on that where, you know, you start off the game with the big, the one big man um, and you have good defenders around them. And then during the game, you can go small ball if you want, um, or you go back to the, the big man, depending on who you're playing. But I think the I think the error of the, uh, of the one center and one big power forward uh, is over. Yeah. You know, Kobe, rest his soul, he, he mentioned that he, in his opinion, 
you know, the small ball lineup and the, the way that Houston plays, he did not feel was going to ever win a championship. You know, he said it, he said, that style of play does not win championships. And it sounds like, you know, they definitely proved him right again this year. Uh, you know, and the, the, you know, people say, well, how is it that it works in the regular season? It doesn't work in the playoffs. Cause you guys got to remember when you're playing in the playoffs, you're playing the same team, possibly seven games. And so that's a lot of time for teams to work out a defense and figure out a way to stop it. Uh, and that's exactly what LA did. They shut it down after uh, a couple of games, they figured out how to run with it and how to, how to put a defense up against it. And they shut it down. Uh, it was nice to see Anthony Davis, progressively get a little bit more and more aggressive in the post as the the series went on and I think that was the key thing you know they decided to to work that way and it actually worked and took Houston out so during the regular season where you're only playing a team once in in maybe twice a year it's hard for a team to figure out how to go against that defense but in the playoffs when you're playing them you know every other night like it's been in the bubble it's you know defenses can can adapt to it so yeah I agree with you Uh, I think that you're going to need a big man. You're going to need a big man, at least one on the, on the court to, to tend with the, the Denver's, the Lakers, you know, teams like that with, you know, nice, tall, big guys. And so uh, Houston's definitely going to have to make a change. Uh, Milwaukee, like you said, is going to definitely have to make a change. One thing that's not going to change in Milwaukee, it sounds like, uh, of course, we don't know for sure, but uh, Anta Takumbo had a meeting with the general manager and the owner down in the bubble. And they discussed the future, future plans for the team, future plans for him. Uh, There was a lot of people speculating that he may ask for a trade. Initially, whenever the Milwaukee Bucks lost to Miami, he came out and gave a post-game conference, news conference, and basically said, hey, you know, know, I'm I'm looking forward to see what this team can build and looking forward to see what this team we can do in the future. And so it sounded like he is not going to be leaving Milwaukee and then shortly after that, the GM and all of them had a meeting with him. And that kind of, I guess, let people think that there's maybe a, a slight crack in the door for that door to be open for a trade. Uh, some people were, you know, thinking maybe he had a meeting with the GM to request a trade. So we really don't know until we know. NBA Twitter is, is kind of a, a faster feast or famine kind of thing. You know, everybody sure. speculates until we, we know for sure. But one thing that I did see come out across the wire was that um, one of the Wildcats that are on Milwaukee, Eric Bledsoe, he is expected to become a trade candidate for the Bucks in the offseason. So they're going to yeah. look at uh, trying to get a better point guard in there. Um, you know, you have George Hill, you have Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Bledsoe was really, really good in Phoenix down there whenever uh, he played with them. And I really had high hopes for him. He played in, in the Clippers for a while. Uh, coming out of college and he was good uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah. And, and he was good, you know, but it looks like they're, they, they think that maybe that's the the piece they have that they can trade for something better. So be interested well, to see know, what happens there in the off season. Small point guards don't just, they just don't have the longevity mm-hmm. of other players. And, and Bledsoe is, it was, you know, he, he made a, he was a small, strong point guard. Uh, I know, I think he led, led point all point guards and blocks a couple of a couple of years you know tenacious defender but unfortunately you know those guys just his his body it took a toll and he had a lot of injuries he misses a lot of games uh you know somebody's gonna want him he's got good trade value but I think that you know probably what the meeting was behind closed doors if I had to guess because there's no way that that they want to leave I don't think I don't think Giannis wants to kind of press that, that Kevin Durant got for, for leaving thunder. 
so I think I think the meeting was probably like Giannis just saying, "Okay, guys, what are we gonna do? <laughs> you know, where are we going? What are we gonna do? We got to get rid of Bledsoe. We got to improve. We need a bigger point guard. We need, you know, and just probably laid out kind of what he's hoping. You know, are you know, is he willing to play the five? You know, can we do what I was saying? Like, you know, is having him and Lopez in there a, a detriment? Can he play the five? Can we get some more slashers and wing defenders out there with him? And I, I think that probably was what the meeting was, you know, just taking advantage of being in the bubble and, and being close and being able to have that discussion face to face. Cause I, I don't, I think Milwaukee would be crazy to, to try to give him up and they still have another all-star on the team in Middleton. Mm-hmm. They're not that far away. They, they were the best team in the East. I mean, they're not that far away from, from being a Boston or, or being a Toronto you know, they just need something. I don't know exactly what it is, but but I agree that starting with Bledsoe and, and improving there is is a good starting point. Because when George Hill is beating you out for playing time during a game, something's wrong. Because Hill is not an answer. He's barely a bench player on any other team. Uh, I I think uh, I think that's a great place to start. And I, I think Giannis will be excited. Um, you know, if they make a move and and they'll at least keep him around. I believe it when I see the big extension get signed, yeah, but I, right. I, I would think that he's going to stay if I had a bet yeah, on it. I would imagine so. I, I would imagine so. Now, you know, Houston's always said that they're a piece away as well, but they've said that every year. <laughs> every year we're a piece, they are. A piece away. They just yeah. thought the wrong pieces. They just the wrong pieces. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, Miami did uh, surprise a lot of people when they moved on and kicked Milwaukee out of uh, the playoff contention. So there uh, were a lot of people calling Miami uh, – a sleeper pick though. Right. So we got to give those people credit yeah, there. Yeah, I heard a lot of people talking about Miami and what they could do. And they're a scary team. That's, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Butler's that type of uh, playoff player that every team wants to have that right. just the guy who young will, will your team go win. Oh yeah. Well, Duncan Robinson, fearless shooter. What a story that guy is mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere to, right. to be a starter on a playoff team. And Tyler hero you know, it's Kentucky guy, right? Looks yep. is I saw him in the summer league. And I remember thinking this, the game looks so easy for this guy. Like, I mean, he's playing against summer league players as a, you know, a top pick, but you know, he, he just looks so smooth out there and controlled. And you could tell like nothing phases that guy. Well, you know, I've said it for years, whenever you have Kentucky players that are coming out of college and they always seem to make that real big jump in the first and second year that, that they go into the league. It's because we really don't know, their full potential in college because True. they're playing with four other superstars, you know, yeah. Kentucky's loaded every year, it seems. And so, you know, you don't really get to see how well, was they it would Carl be. Carl Anthony Towns coming off the bench when he was there behind Collie Stein. <laughs> yeah. I think initially when he first got there, but yeah, yeah it's things like that. Like, you know, you don't see their, their superstar ability until they get free from the other five superstars they're playing with, you know? And so when they get into the league, then they really kind of jump and, uh, all the players that have come out of Kentucky have said that playing with Calipari is like pay- playing for a pro team. You know, there's so much, you know, news, publicity, and so much pressure on the players there because, you know, we don't have a pro team here in Kentucky quite yet. And so, you know, that is our pro team. That and Louisville are, are competing for our, our sports enthusiasm, you know. Well, you know, Calipari's coached in the NBA, yes. and he's, he's, he's really embraced that, look, I know you guys are going to be here one year. I want you guys to be as successful as possible. All because the more successful those guys are in the NBA, the more easier it's going to be for him to recruit guys to come there 
because they're going to see these guys making that leap and they're going to want to do the same thing. And so I'm sure he's running, you know, he's telling them exactly he's not only, you know, helping them win in college, but he's telling them exactly what they're going to need to do to succeed in the pros, what you have to do. I'm sure they even practice like, you know, getting an agent, talking at news conferences, you know, they're, they're obviously used to the, the pressure, like you said. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, Calipari has really done it and other college coaches should just embrace that too. Well, you know, and I can sit and talk Kentucky basketball and NBA <laughs> coming to Louisville for hours. But one thing is absolutely for certain, a Kentucky Wildcat alumni will win the NBA championship this year. And I say that because you've got Anthony Davis that are playing for the Lakers that's still in it. you got Jamal Murray playing for Denver that's still in it. You know, Miami has Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. Boston, Boston has Enos Cantor. Patrick Patterson plays for the Clippers. So all those teams are still vying for the championship. No matter what, a Kentucky Wildcat will win a championship this year. So that's pretty neat, neat to see. I'm happy about it, obviously. But uh, let's move on now to the Boston Celtics and what happened with them in Toronto. Um, Kyle Lowry, man, still just cannot seem to put it together as the major player for that team, you know, for a full playoff run. Um, he, he only had – I think a 33% field goal percentage and 16% three-point percentage uh, on that game seven. I mean, he really just has to find a way to overcome those percentages. And whenever it's a, it's a must win game, like a game seven in the playoffs. I mean, Toronto, I, you, know, you and I talked about it. Toronto was our pick coming out of the East initially before the playoffs started to go up against the Lakers and boy, oh boy, how things have changed. You know, Miami is like you said, is looking more and more like, they could be the favorite if they can get past Boston, which I think they can. You know, um, the Clippers looked like they were going to run strong on this series. And then, you know, today's game ended up uh, – Denver ended up coming back and taking that game. So, um, you know, everybody was really hoping for the Battle of L.A. Uh, in the Western Conference Finals. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But what was your thoughts on uh, Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors uh, series there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously – I think the I think the team that that deserved to win won. Uh, I think Boston is is a scary scary team, and they didn't even have Gordon Hayward, right? You know, so that's uh, yeah. I like it. I think the right team won. I'm hoping. You know, have you heard any news on on his injury? Well, it, he's actually. I don't know if he's nursing an injury, but I, I know that he was out for the birth of a child. No, Hayward. I think Hayward had a uh, ankle injury. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, and he was out two to four weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, I know that he, his that, wife gave birth, and he left the bubble for that. Um, there was there was the birth of the child, but yeah, it was the okay. uh, he did have an injury though. So okay. I think the timing worked out pretty well for the injury. Yeah. Um, right. But uh, you know, obviously they knocked it. They took out Toronto. It wasn't easy, but Toronto is a strong, strong team, defending champs, mm -hmm. playing great you got to give Toronto all the credit in the world. Fred Van Vliet took it to a whole other level. I know it's cliche to say that, but he really, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people who watch the NBA closely knew that Van Vliet had that in him. It was great to see him get that opportunity with Kawhi leaving to really show that, you know, he's a star player mm -hmm. and, and I could see Van Vliet even getting to all-star level at some point. Um, I think Serge Ibaka, this might've been his last run, although he looked really good at times. So mm -hmm. I think Marcus Saul really kind of let him down. I think he's 
pretty much done in the league. I, I think he didn't even hit a three pointer until like game five or something in the entire playoffs until like game five of that right. series. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, I think it's hard to say what Toronto can do though. Cause Lowry's old, Gasol's old, but when you have a guy like Siakam and you have Van Vliet, that's the future. You build right. around those guys. You got OG and Anobi. Norman Powell is, is a good player. Uh, Chris Boucher, a lot of people didn't get to see him, but when he got time this year, looked really good. Yes, uh, he did. So I, I could see him getting a big shot next year. Fantasy players, sleeper alert um, on, on Chris Boucher next year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they have the pieces. I, I think they're going to have to make some moves, though. I, I think they're really going to take a serious look at Lowry, Ibaka, and Gasol and what they can get for them. Um, I could see him bringing Lowry back just – you know, out of respect. And, and he's, he's obviously got game left. He looked great out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no shame in bringing him back. Point guards are hard to find. You just ask Milwaukee. And yeah, I, I think, um, you know, all the respect in the world, Toronto. I love that Boston won though. Cause I want to see them with Hayward back. I think they're the team in the East to beat. And I think they beat Miami uh, if, if Hayward comes back. Yeah, you know, and and I did read just now, uh, Gordon Hayward is expected to play at some point, they say, during the Eastern Conference Finals due to his ankle and coming back. They said he most likely will not be back for game one. But, you know, whenever a player comes back um, at a high level, uh, in a high-level playoff situation like that, you know, is it going to take him a game or two to kind of get back into rhythm with the team? You know, the team's been doing really well with him gone, so – with him back, is he going to be ready to go? Is the team going to be ready for him to go? You know, are they going to be able to mesh well now? Jalen Brown, I've always had high hopes for Jalen Brown, and he did really well stepping up uh, in the impressed absence. Impressed me a lot. Yeah, Jalen Brown did really well. You know, and I was really impressed with him whenever he first came into the league and he was guarding LeBron James there at the three when James was still with Cleveland. Uh, and they were playing in the uh, the Eastern, um, I think the Eastern Conference Finals. Jalen's defense has always been there, but his mm-hmm. offense just took a while to get right. And now that it's there, boy, oh boy. I mean, him, Jason Tatum, I mean, you know, and Kemba Walker, I I thought he would come out a little bit more aggressive uh, in a fourth quarter. And he kind of just kind of leveled it off and and gave it off to Jason Tatum. But Jason Tatum, hey, he took it. He stepped up and really propelled that team um, to a win. Yeah, I did the the box score show this week, um, just like you did. Uh, But but we we were talking a lot about the, the game seven coming up between Toronto and Boston and and in my pick, I said Boston. Boston will win if Kemba Walker or their bench does literally anything. Right. <laughs> they they lost Game Six because I think Kemba Walker was like one for eleven, and their bench scored like six points. Right. So I was like, if Ke- and they only lost and they lost a double OT or something. So I'm like, if Kemba or the bench does anything, that Boston will win. And they and Kemba finally hit a few shots. The bench came through and hit some big shots down the stretch. I think I saw it was a Grant Williams did a big shot down the stretch, you know, so that's all that Boston needs. Boston need if, if Kemba, because Jalen and Jason Tatum are going to be there. And uh, if, if Boston's bench does anything and Kemba Walker can give them, you know, 15 to 18 points, Boston, Boston's going to win this series. Yeah, so we, we've talked about, you know, Boston Toronto game. We've talked about Milwaukee losing to Miami and the Lakers taking the care of uh, Houston. The game that uh, is still, I guess the series, is still left yet to be determined is the Nuggets versus the Clippers. Now, they did play yeah. today, and the Clippers were up by 16 points going into the half, 
second half, the Denver Nuggets really came out and they, they were hungry. They really wanted that game and they ended up winning uh, and winning a big game, forcing it to a, a game seven. So going yeah. into a game seven, I mean, I guess we really can't count Denver out. I mean, they were down three, one in the last series, they were down three, one in this series. Are they really going to come back and, you know, come back from three, one, two series in a row. I mean, I'm not going to put it past them. They, they seem hungry. They seem like they know how to take care of the Clippers and how to get under the skin of the Clippers. The Clippers really just kind of gave up. I felt they just kind of threw in the towel early in my opinion. So, you know, I really, a lot of people are looking forward to seeing the battle of LA's, you know, uh, the Clippers and the Lakers in the Western conference finals. But I'll tell you what, if uh, Denver has anything to say about it, that's not going to happen. You know, if Denver moves on to, to play the Lakers, that's really going to say – it's really going to – that's going to be a, a big, big deal for the Clippers because they can't seem to put it all together when they need to put it together. Paul George was a negative 23 tonight in uh, in this game. And, uh, you know, he started the series slow. And, you know, he kind of came on there a little bit. And then now negative 23 in the box score. I mean, you, you've, you've got to put it all together at some point, Brent, to get, to, to get this win to move on. I mean – up 3-1, you'd think that they would have tried to close it out. All the pressure is on the Clippers right now. Denver has no pressure. <laughs> they're just going to come out. They're going to play loose. And look, the Clippers, they went all in on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard thinking that they won the lottery by pulling that off. But they gave up a lot. So if they don't win this series – and get there this season is a tremendous failure the paul george trade is a tremendous failure really anything but the championship is a failure but this would be being up 3-1 and blowing it this could be even more of a failure than when the warriors were down were up 3-1 and lost to lebron james led cavaliers right because that's still lebron james this is the denver nuggets without will barton yeah <laughs> you know they're you know, they're, yeah, they're good, and Jokic and, and Jamal Murray are great players, but they're not Forget LeBron about Bol now. Yeah, well, <laughs> look, I, I, the, I said this. I said this on the box score show too. I said I, I picked the Clippers mm-hmm. and said I think the Clippers are going to win. I said there's no way that the Denver is going to come back from three one twice in a row. But I did say if they did, if they do come back from down three one twice in a row, it could be the greatest back-to-back series any team's ever had in the history of the NBA, uh, being able to pull that off. Um, and the biggest upset maybe ever, more than like a one beating an eight. Um, like it's, it, it would be incredible. And I'm just really going to be pulling for Denver <laughs> in that game. I really want to see Denver pull it off and make that happen. And I, and I really hope if they get, they get Will Barton back, I don't know what his status is for the, for the Lakers series. Because I think they could beat the Lakers if they get Barton back. I think they're that complete of a team. I think they're going to be going in with that much confidence. It, it's going to be really, really fun to watch. But, you know, I, my, my heart is saying Denver, um, but my head is saying that the Clippers and Kawhi are just going to come in and it's going to be no BS. I bet Kawhi comes out and has one of those games where he scores like 20 in the first quarter because he's just not going to trust anybody else to get it done. He's just going to come out there, no emotion, just take care of business. I could see that happening. If Kawhi struggles at all, though, in the first quarter, and Paul George, you know, can't get his head out of his you-know-what for this game, Denver's going to Denver's gonna take it uh, because there's going to be too much pressure on, on the Clippers. So we'll see. If I was a betting man, I, I'd, I'd bet Clippers. 
because I think Kawhi and Doc Rivers are, are just not going to not gonna let this happen. But the NBA, who knows, man? It's been so strange lately. Uh, this is totally something that should happen in 2020. Yeah, and I'm kind of torn with this series because, you know, I, I kind of wanted the Lakers to be the one to take out the Clippers and not Denver. You know, I'm, I'm a Lakers fan, and I think that, you know, if, if Denver takes out the Clippers and then goes on to uh, to play the Lakers, everybody's going to say, oh, well, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, this or that, then the Lakers wouldn't be there where they are because Denver took out the Clippers. So I kind of wanted to be the one, my team to be the one to take out the Clippers. But at the same time, I, I have a lot of high hopes with Denver. I mean, you talk about being a betting man. I might put a little bit of money on Denver because I think they're hungry. <laughs> they have seen that light at the end of the tunnel. They think that they can do it again and shout out to them. I just don't think that Doc Rivers and those guys can really put it together to a point where, they will be able to overcome the passion and the drive and the hungriness of Denver to get it done. Um, you know, I could be wrong. I mean, on this game here, like I was saying, Paul George was a negative 23, but he still had 33 points and five steals. So he was still doing what he had to do. He was the second highest minutes played in the game behind Kawhi Leonard. Um, Paul George had 39 minutes. So, yeah, you know, they, they, they did everything they could, but you know, sometimes the two of them just, there's just not enough. You know, Patrick Beverly is there and, you know, he's, he's a great defender, but uh, you just – this this game is wild. You know, if you think about last year, whenever Kawhi Leonard hit that game-winning shot, I believe in game seven, if he wouldn't have – if that shot wouldn't have bounced, bounced and went in, you know, he wouldn't have been the champion he was last year either. So, True. this game is is wild, and being in the bubble is even wilder. It's 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 amazing what can happen. Never put anything past this bubble because uh, it, it's a different beast down there for sure, I think. So, be interesting to see how it all plays out. So, so you have uh, Clippers winning the series. I have Denver winning the series. So we'll see how we'll see how that I'm works. I'm happy out. either way, man. I, I I'm I'm super excited for this game seven. I the, the best thing that could have happened for the NBA was Denver coming back again just to get get the hype train rolling and get get everyone's attention back to this uh, because Boston Miami totally unexpected right. in that conference finals. Uh, Clippers getting pushed to the limit. Everyone thought they were ever, the late, the LA teams were just going to cruise to a, to a conference finals. And you know, the Lakers have, the Lakers have cruised. I mean, they've really not been tested at all. They're off so, at least till Friday. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, the last thing you want is to give LeBron and Anthony Davis rest and Rondo rest because, because with Rondo back and the way he's playing, the Lakers are a scary, scary team. So whoever People loses laugh and joke about playoff Rondo, but I'm really starting to think it's a thing. It is. A it, thing. it is. It just is healthy. Thing. Rondo is a thing. Right. <laughs> just to, just right. to get a, getting a healthy Rondo. He always is great. He's been great yeah. since he won those championships with Boston. And for whatever reason, he just gets overshadowed by, you know, the Garnett's and the Ray Allen's and the LeBron James's and who could blame I mean, you can't blame it. Those guys are, those guys are uh, hall of fame players, but Rondo has shown that he's a hall of fame player. And, you and know, if he, he's not a score first kind of player, and right. that's what everybody looks at. They look at the box score. First thing they yep. look at is how many points, you know. But you also got to remember there's an assist category as well. And it's just like it's just like uh, Lonzo Ball. Their yep. assists most likely are going to be higher than their points. And that's okay. It's just uh, your style of player. So Absolutely. But, he's uh, one of yeah. what they call a lunch pail and hard hat type go. of player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you, you know, we, we've talked about those – past series let's talk about the upcoming series you know you, you said you got boston and miami uh you've got um the lakers playing we don't know yet but uh you've got yeah. uh, you got 
was it Miami and Boston and the Lakers and either Nuggets or the Lakers and the Clippers. So right now let's go with Boston and Miami. What's your thoughts on how that series is going to go? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I love Boston. I think if they can get Hayward back, they're, I think they're easily the best team in the East. And you could go back to all our previous podcasts, and I believe I've been saying that a full-strength Celtics is, is, one, is the best team. But Miami has – I was telling you earlier, they have the guy that – they have a guy like Butler. And Butler is one of those players who can just will his team to victories like a Kawhi Leonard can, like a LeBron James can. They could just will their team to victory just by their attitude, by their play. I mean, Butler hadn't, hadn't shot a ton of threes all year, but he's been knocking them down left and right in the playoffs mm-hmm. because he knows that's what his team needs. And it leaves guys like Hero and Robinson who are just knockdown shooters even when they're covered wide open. But I'm so impressed with those guys. And I think somebody who is so underrated – and it needs to be up there with the all-stars and the top players in the league is Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. That guy can handle the ball like a point guard. He ends up with six, seven assists a game. He's a near triple-double almost every night. He'll block two or three shots. He knocks down his free throws. He can hit from the outside once in a while. This guy is special. And if Miami, if they don't get there this year because Boston is pretty stacked, I think they add like a Chris Paul or someone next year and watch out. And Goran Dragic has really stepped up his game here in the playoffs. And with the emergence of Kendrick Nunn coming off the bench to alternate those two at point guard, they are such a strong team. But the last guy that I want to mention and make sure I mention on Miami, who's I think maybe the more underrated of of all the, the Andre Godala deal got a lot of press. Jamison Crowder has been so incredible for them. He's the big piece that they got in that um, – they, they got him – yeah, the Memphis trade. When they traded Justice Winslow, who was only 24 years old, an incredible talent, but just couldn't stay healthy. And a lot of people were like, oh, I got Andre Iguodala. Jamison Crowder was the bigger get there because he can knock down the threes. He plays defense like Andre Iguodala. He rebounds like Iguodala. I like Iguodala's heart and his mind in the locker room has probably been huge for them, but actual skill on the basketball court, Crowder has been the much bigger pickup. And I I love this heat team. So I would love to see Miami get to the final um, against, against the Lakers who I'm going to predict are going to be there from the other side right now. So you can go off next and, uh, and Boston, man, I, I think they're the strongest team, but if they don't get Hayward back, I think Miami can sneak by them. So Boston with Hayward, I think, wins it. If Hayward's not back by game three or four, Miami's going to take it. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I think that you're right on the right path there. And imagine what it would be like if we had a Boston versus Lakers final. That's classic NBA. Isn't it classic NBA? It is. And, you know, both of them with high-level championships. You know, the numbers on the back of the jerseys, uh, on the collar of the back of the jersey is going to change at that point. Tatum-LeBron is so bird and magic. It's not even funny. If you even look at their games, like Tatum and Bird and then Magic and LeBron, very, very similar yeah. type of players. That would definitely be one for the uh, the storybooks for sure. I would definitely like to see that. So uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on the Eastern Conference. I think that you're right. You know, Boston, if Hayward's back, and Miami, uh, if, if not. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. All right. Again, we'll uh, see how this Game 7 is going to go between the Clippers and the Nuggets. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's been interesting. It's going to continue to be that way. Life in the bubble here is not near as bad as what they all thought it was going to be. There's been some really, really good gameplay. And, you know, hats off to the NBA yet again 
for this. And uh, I just want to say uh, I'm happy to watch basketball and it's getting, it's getting down to it guys. Um, we still don't know when the NBA is going to plan on the draft. They said November 18th right now, but that also yeah. could change, you know, it bumped back from October 18th. So they're really trying to get fans back into the stands. They are in favor of a, uh, I guess, um, local market bubbles, if you would say. So local market play with less moving uh, instead of one large bubble like they have here down in Disney. I think it worked. This was a one-time situation, one-time case scenario. But I think that the NBA and I think the fans also would prefer um, local venues and arenas and uh, yep. local play, less traveling. So uh, I think a lot of see how this football season plays out too. Right. We exactly. see any upticks from these games where they have like half the attendance there. Yeah. So How's that'll it be a big you test. With, uh, I know you're a football fan. I don't know anything about football, except I tried to dribble a football one time and it went all over the place. And I just, <laughs> but uh, how is it having basketball on and football on the same day? Man, it's, it, it's weird. a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously I was watching the, the game, the game six uh, earlier, but, you know, have football first day of football is always huge. I know we had a Thursday game and that was fun to see that Mahomes is still Mahomes. Um, what an incredible player. And I'm watching my Niners right now. They're up 10, seven on the Cardinals who have Kyler Murray who's a really exciting player and they picked up Deandre Hawkins. So yeah, football's back. Super excited. These, these basketball games have been amazing. So yeah, I'm just in, in sports heaven right now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I uh, I did well listening to our uh, Hoopball Gaming podcast the other day with uh, Devin Ellington and Ira Silver. They really set me up good. If you guys are not on that yet, check it out. Uh, mybookie.com. Uh, I've been on MyBookie now every night for the last like four nights. And, you know, listening to those guys over at Hoopball Gaming really set me up well. So, yeah, uh, we put a bet in there. Dan uh, put a, a, a thing out on Twitter to, hey, make sure you go place this bet. And uh, I listened to him, and I did, and I won $45 at night. So hats off to him. Uh, it's been really, really neat. So, you guys, we have a lot of great content here at HoopBall. Uh, we are fans, and we also uh, contribute. And I tell you, these podcasts we have, they are on the money. I got to hear what I needed to hear when I needed to hear it to place my bets on mybookie.com, and it worked out beautifully. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Again, this is Around the Association with Doug and Brent. Happy to have you guys on here and uh, check us out again on the box score breakdown. I'll be on Tuesday nights over there. And Brent, I think you're going to be on Thursdays, Wednesdays. Yeah, we don't really have a set schedule. It could okay. be a couple times a week. Uh, we're still kind of figuring things out, but you'll see Doug and I all over hoop ball. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have some other things that are in the works uh, that are cooking up that, yes. that are really, that we're really excited about that Absolutely. could be coming out pretty soon too. So stay tuned to, to all the different shows there's a lot of guys doing a lot of hard work uh, to, to bring you guys this entertainment and good advice. And uh, you know, we're happy to do it. And uh, you know, we hope you guys are enjoying it. Once again, uh, I'm Brent middleman on, on Twitter. So, so please check me out and Doug, where are we uh, at again? The at KY pro basketball. That's at KY pro basketball, where I tweet out nightly stats of all players that have gone pro from the state of Kentucky talking John Morant from Murray state. Yeah. All the players, there's a lot Kentucky. Yeah. yeah <laughs> players from New Louisville. So make sure you follow us on there. Take care guys. Thanks for uh, listening and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks everyone.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.